Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Cliff Isaacson, who is Executive VP Product Strategy at Blue Ridge Global. And today we're going to talk about price, optimiza price optimization, the next big opportunity in supply chain. Now, you know, companies across virtually all industries are looking for ways to drive profitable growth. And, you know, many of them have implemented CRM, ERP, and other supply chain applications. And after kind of capturing the low-hanging low fruit opportunities from those systems, they're now asking, you know, what's the next big opportunity to drive business benefits? And for many, the answer is price optimization. But what is price optimization? Why is it important? And what capabilities should companies look for in a solution? Well, those are the key questions we're going to address in today's episode. And it's great to have Cliff on the program to share his insights and advice on this uh, topic. So Cliff, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Love talking about pricing and supply chain. So... Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm, 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 uh, this was a topic that uh, certainly, you know, two or three years ago, I knew relatively little about. And then, um, you know, we we're just in the cusp of completing a market study on this. So I've learned a lot about it. And, you know, that's why I titled this uh, episode, the next big opportunity in supply chain, because I definitely see, you know, this being, you know, one of those areas that a lot of companies probably don't know much about, uh, but they're probably going to learn a lot more and need to know a lot more, you know, moving forward. But, before we dive into the, you know, what is price optimization? Why is this important and so forth? Uh, you're a first time guest here on Talking Logistics. And like I always like to do whenever I bring on a new guest, I'm always curious how people, you know, get into this industry. So why don't you tell us briefly a little bit about your career path, you know, how and why you got involved in this industry and what your current role and responsibilities are there at uh, Blue Ridge Global? Definitely. Uh, I actually started in logistics, um, actually in, in strategy consulting, but left to uh, start to co-found a trucking logistics software company. This was back in uh, 99 uh, with one of the first dot-com booms and, uh, and you know, really wanted to leave the, the Wall Street uh, consulting environment. And uh, you know, uh, we, you know, I started talking to somebody and trucking logistics and bidding and freight was an intriguing topic. Um, and I really wanted to get back uh, to uh, hard hat and steel tip shoes, and that was a good opportunity for it. And uh, after that, we sold the company, and I went to a company that did inventory optimization and replenishment. And we ended up actually selling that to SAP, but a great experience, really understanding supply chain planning uh, for largely for manufacturers and, and you know global and thousand companies. And uh, it was actually after that. Uh, I helped to uh, acquire a price optimization company uh, for service parts. You know, was uh, I was already at a company uh, doing inventory optimization for spare parts, and uh, and I just fell in love with pricing. I thought, wow, this is how it fits with supply chain uh, pricing for industrial goods is a fascinating topic. I can talk for hours about it. It's it's something uh, very uh, the, the nuances and the art and the science of it are, are fascinating. And it's really hard science because it's really long tail assortments. It's intermittent demand items. It was a great place to start. And after that, I spent 10 plus years in retail and industrial goods pricing at different software vendors heading up product. And uh, finally, I got the bug again. I started, I founded uh, another uh, software company uh, for industrial goods, specifically small distributor pricing. And uh, you know, I did that. That's actually how I ended up at Blue Ridge in my current position. They acquired the software company and I joined to head up product strategy and take this 
this blend of supply chain planning, inventory optimization, replenishment, pricing, and bring it together. So I'm, I'm here at Blue Ridge uh, driving the, the product strategy and uh, how we build our products and uh, you know, launching and, and building out and designing this pricing solution that's really uh, targeted towards distribution, light manufacturing and retail. Great. Well, great, great journey there, you know, and I think, it, you know, it, it's symbolic of the fact that, you know, particularly when you talk about pricing, it really has, you know, there's, there's the core focus of it, you know, in terms of, you know, pricing analysts and people that are responsible for pricing. But the reality is that it has, you know, uh, it, it influences and is influenced by many other aspects of supply chain. The fact that you've worked and have experience in these other areas, inventory management, supply chain planning, uh, logistics, and so forth. I mean, you, you bring some good, you know, you know, perspective there. Uh, and again, I, I also, uh, you know, in this age where we're talking now about, you know, uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence and the fact that we've got more data at our disposal, and the question is, how do we convert that data into, you know, insights and then into business value? I think, you know, price optimization is one of those areas where there's a lot of data, if you can get to it, you can get to it effectively and then apply some of those technologies to that. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. So before we kind of dive into the kind of the, that meat, let's start with the basic question. You know, what is price optimization? Uh, it, it's a great question. Um, and and it, it means many different things uh, in many different industries. Uh, to me, in short, it's setting prices based on market conditions and customer willingness to pay. Uh, I, you know, it, there's a lot of complexity uh, below that. It's, you know, what are supplier constraints? Uh, there's uh, price introduction, when you introduce new products, there's end of life. But in the end, it's really um, getting away from what people typically call cost plus. And people wrap it around very complex processes and structures, uh, pricing matrices, uh, a lot of people call it. They use Excel in really uh, complex ways. But if you're just taking cost and then marking it up or adding a margin to it, without really determining how to set the price based on what the customers uh, or what the value to the customer is, then it's not really price optimization. So, you know, I, I call it, you know, setting the right price at the right time for the right product uh, given the right customer. So, you know, that, that kind of uh, uh, those tangents driving uh, what the right price is. Yeah, you know, and you brought up a few things there. Number one, you know, one of the things I've seen in the research is just like every other type of supply chain application, Excel tends to be the dominant application that people have historically used to, to manage this. And I think we all know, particularly in 2020, you know, the, uh, you know, when, you know, you're operating critical functions with spreadsheets or manual based processes, um, you know, it's going to be very difficult to su succeed, you know, moving forward. You know, I think the optimization piece also comes into the fact that, you know, you, you really, you know, if all you're leveraging is this cost plus model, that's not really optimization, right? I mean, optimization by almost by definition, when you really talk about optimization is you're leveraging multiple inputs you're, and then you're, alt, you're leveraging mathematical uh, equations, you know, based on certain constraints and certain uh, desi uh, uh, questions that you're hoping to answer, you know, so there, there's a lot of, you know, mathematics that's involved, you know, with it that I think, you know, is, is part of what defines it as part of, you know, optimization. And I think for a lot of folks, and I certainly, this is where I was coming from, and maybe you can comment a little bit here. You know, I think a lot of folks say, okay, yeah, price optimization. I've heard about that. You know, the hotels have done that, you know, airlines have done that, you know, and you know that, right. You could go to, you go to online to try to get an airline ticket. 
uh, at least back in the pre-COVID days. And, you know, if you went at 9 a.m. in the morning, you would see one price. And if you went at, you know, 12 in the afternoon, you probably saw a different price because they were dynamically changing, you know, these prices. And certainly that's a segment of it. But, you know, it, it, it goes beyond that, particularly when you're talking about manufacturers, when you're talking about B2B distributors and so forth, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think people are starting to understand you would pay more if something starts selling out. It's, you know, it's availability. And so everybody, you know, that's familiar with supply chain understands inventory availability and how that probably is tied to a price tag. Um, the difference is it's, it, it's not necessarily that dynamic, you know, airlines, of course, you know, there are, it, it's a consumer facing uh, application of pricing. It's dynamic pricing. It's, it's the equivalent of, of retail pricing. Uh, and I've done e-commerce pricing with retail as well as uh, actually in Europe with electronic shelf labels, it's constantly changing. Uh, there was one Nor uh, Norwegian retailer I worked with, they would not guarantee the same price if you spent more than an hour in their store, which is a small store, you know, in Norway, you wouldn't spend more than uh, an hour in there. But it was interesting because I think people are starting to become familiar with that uh, concept. Um, however, you know, it's, it's much longer term. When you're negotiating a contract uh, for a long-term, you know, two, three-year uh, agreement, you know, you're not going to change prices all the time. You have, but I would argue it's probably more important to get the prices right because if you're entering that agreement, you better know exactly what that price is. And um, you know, it it comes down to using science to determine what is underpriced versus overpriced. And overpriced, you're going to hear about it, and it's it's something that impacts customer satisfaction. Customers are going to tell you if and going to feel like they're being gouged but they're not gonna tell you about underpriced items. They're not gonna tell you where they see a real huge gap in the market and you're charging much lower than other commodities or items. And it's easier to do for those fast moving items. People are really good at that. But you know, when you're in manufacturing or distribution or even a larger retailer with a large assortment, it's that long tail. And you know, I, you know, uh, I'm a science person. When you're familiar with supply chain planning, that's the hard part to forecast. Turns out it's the hard part to price as well. Um, and that's where, you know, better forecasting techniques, there's also better uh, pricing techniques for that long tail assortment. Yeah, that's that, that, that great <laughs> point there. And I mean, when people talk about pricing too, I mean, people often refer to or look at, you know, the, the price waterfall, right? And all the different elements that go into, you know, that, that price, you've got uh, off invoice items that go into it as well, discounts and things like that. So, I mean, it really is becomes a much more, particularly in the B2B world, becomes a much more complex, you know, pricing environment than just, uh, you know, the B2C, you know, side of things. Um, but, but let's talk now, why is it important? I mean, why should companies care about this? And, you know, what's the, the business case of value proposition? Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, and, you know, it, it can, it, it's not a one size fits all, you know, some companies, um, tend to use pricing for different, uh, different objectives. But in the end, pricing really drops to the bottom line very quickly. When you change prices, you're gonna hear about it and you're gonna see a change to your financial position. Uh, and hopefully for the better, uh, hopefully uh, you know, for profits. But it's not always about profits for some product categories. It's about market share. You know, I understand that. Um, but it's interesting because a lot of studies have been done and the general consensus is 
and it varies by industry. It actually is more influential in, in dis distribution and manufacturing requirements. When you improve pricing, when you get better results, it can be two to four times better profit impact than a cost of goods sold reduction. And you know, I'm not discounting the, the benefits of uh, inventory optimization and better demand forecasting. Uh, that's a huge, you know, there are huge benefits associated with that, pulling things, pulling working capital out of the balance sheet and improving service levels. Uh, but when you improve pricing, you're, you're hitting profits, you know, very quickly. And uh, the other thing you start to look at, I mentioned it, underpriced, overpriced, that can impact pricing consistency and your customer's perception of you. And so it can actually turn out to improve customer satisfaction. And I think the big one, you know, given, uh, you know, I'm, I'm biased here, but it's better management of demand. Uh, and I can talk more about it, but when you can use pricing to get better control over your demand forecasts, and that can be very powerful. Yeah, no, I think, you know, uh, like I mentioned, this, the market study that we're about to publish, you know, we looked at some of those uh, resources, uh, sources out there that have done research, academic and, and likewise. And, you know, for decades now, they've shown, <laughs> you know, the, the powerful lever that, you know, price optimization is in terms of, you know, uh, pro profitability. And, and uh, uh, the, the other thing that you just brought up, which leads me to my next question is, you know, historically, I mean, I think price optimization has been viewed mainly, at least from my perspective, as a, as a sales support solution, right? So it's something that has been sold to or targeted to the sales organization has been sold to the you know pricing analysts uh, within an organization, and obviously that's a that's the core users of this, if you will. But but in many ways, as you've been alluding to, it's it's really a supply chain solution. Um, so I guess you know how, how does price optimization inform or impact you know supply chain processes, and can you give an example? Uh, definitely, and I think we're seeing uh, a lot of this being accelerated over the last twelve months. But when you change price, you know, people tend to be very familiar and hold tight to the vest monitoring of their, their A items, their A plus items, these, um, you know, commodity items, these fast moving items that may have a competitive substitute. If you don't, you're worried about having a competitive substitute. And, you know, you know that they're probably price sensitive. Uh, so when you change the price of those, you can, especially in a item, you can really change demand. It's, that is inherently price sensitivity. Um, you know, a lot of techniques to get longer, uh, you know, get into the long tail of the assortment and these intermittent demand items, but, you know, price can change the demand of them over time. It's just a much longer feedback loop. Uh, and so it takes time, but, you know, in the end, when you drop price, you tend to sell more of things. And with A items, certainly you'll see that immediate uh, demand response. And that should be fed into a demand forecast. Uh, and uh, you know, on the flip side, when you're uh, doing replenishment, when you're uh, ordering against a supplier or a, a commodity provider as a manufacturer, uh, you're hitting supplier brackets, right? There are uh, volume controls, there's filling a truck, there's filling a container. And because of that, you need to fill, uh, you need to pull forward demand and, and order products to fill up that truck uh, in the simplest use case. And so when you do that, your overage, you have inventory overages on some items. And, you know, inventory optimization is about, you know, getting your best service levels with the lowest uh, inventory level possible. Uh, you know, there's the asymptotic curve, the more service level you have, the 
you know, exponentially larger amounts of inventory. When you have those inventory overages, you know, think of the costs associated with that, you know, the warehouse stocking, the, um, uh, the, the labor constraints, the transportation constraints. Pricing is a great way of then adjusting, bringing down those inventory levels on those items. And, you know, uh, that's where you get into the nuances where when they start to uh, play together, how can you use price to, you know, uh, if something's critically short, you shouldn't be dropping price on it. You know, if you can coordinate those two to work together, then it's not only about reducing inventory overages, it's about, you know, preventing the sales team or preventing the finance team from uh, lowering the price on, on these, uh, you know, uh, in, under inventory items. So um, those can all play well together uh, to really um, uh, improve pricing in two different use cases, two different core use cases. Really, there is um, list pricing and net pricing. And let, let me describe those a little bit. If you're uh, in certain states, you're a wine and spirits distributor, uh, it, you act more like a retailer. You're you're selling at a set price that everybody knows about. And um, you know, there are techniques there for making sure you get the price right. And you only have the chance as a distributor or manufacturer to change that price every so often. Uh, but if you're, if you're not, if you're a sales team that's negotiating prices using discounts and rebates and volume deals for different customers, um, that's where you really have to control pricing based on what, what, who the customer is and what customer segment they belong to, how much volume of business are they giving you, what discounts and rebates are available over time that influence that, you know, that pricing waterfall you mentioned. What is the overall pocket profitability by customer, by product? And so those two forms of pricing uh, uh, really dominate. And you know, uh, for distributors and manufacturers, they have both typically. And that's where it can add some complexity. It's not a simple retail use case. It's not, you know, I would say retail is a simpler problem to solve because if it's not a fast moving item, it's probably coming out of the assortment. (laughs) Not, not so with distribution. Right. No, great, great, you know, great, great examples there. And, (laughs) you know, as you were talking, I mean, I think, and some of the research, you know, uh, kind of confirmed this is, you know, it's very similar to what we see historically, right? You know, you you, you see companies uh, look at pricing in as a siloed, you know, function. Has, you know, mm-hmm. so we are just like you know, we always as analysts, we always talk about the need to break down functional silos, right? Between in this case, as we're talking about, you know, inventory management, inventory optimization, demand planning, you know, and and pricing, right? Breaking down those functional barriers and bringing, you know, those those uh, decisions that are made in a much more you know tightly integrated you know, fashion, it's the same thing with the, on the technology front, right? So we've seen, you know, over time, you know, the technology that companies use to manage these different business functions have also been in siloed form. And I think what we've seen over the years in other areas, we've seen, you know, the coming together of these, uh, you know, capabilities uh, into more integrated platforms. And I think now is the time when we're starting to see now pricing coming into these supply chain platforms so that, you know, companies are able to take this more integrated more holistic workflow approach that you know better integrates the pricing uh, uh, component to it as part of the everything that you just talked about there—the inventory side, the demand side, and 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 so forth. Um, 
you know, which is part of the reason why, you know, based on the study that we did, you know, we, we expect, you know, market awareness and adoption of a price optimization solution to grow and, and accelerate in, in the years ahead. I mean, what do you see from being in the front lines of this? I mean, what do you see as the biggest <laughs> factors, you know, driving this growth? Yeah, you, you bring up some interesting um, sort of long-term trends. You know, there's been for a long time separate retail price optimization and, and, and vendors for that, software vendors and technology. There's B2B uh, uh, pricing vendors and price optimization vendors more on the negotiated pricing side. And we're starting to see that convergence with supply chain planning. You know, a couple of years ago, you would talk about SNOP technologies and processes very differently from, you know, uh, closer in uh, statistical demand forecasting and supply chain planning. Those are really, you know, together now and talked about as a single, you know, coordinated and integrated uh, supply chain planning function. And, you know, the same thing is true. And it's actually gotten accelerated. Um, you know, what we've seen is uh, over the last couple of months, we have great insight into, um, you know, we have a, a, a large proportion of our customers are distributors. You know, we have some retailers, we have some uh, light manufacturers. And we've had the benefit uh, as a cloud-based solution to go in and see trends in wine and spirits, in HVAC and plumbing, in auto parts and other durable goods, in North America, in Europe. And what we've seen is lots of supplier volatility. We just had a customer advisory board where we talked to our largest customers and uh, they were talking about some of the best practices. How do you manage supplier volatility supply and inventory availability from suppliers and these great fluctuations in costs? You know, uh, like I mentioned, you know, cost plus is a, a simplistic approach, but margin is important uh, to drive profits. The other thing that has been huge uh, uh, across these categories has been peaks in demand in certain product categories and uh, increases on certain sales channels, in particular e-commerce. If you have an e-commerce sales channel, you've seen a huge bump. And, and uh, so peaks in product categories, you know, we have, we work with a lot of wine and spirits and food and beverage, big shifts in demand, but overall big jumps in certain product categories. You know, you think of you know, the closures of on-premise to off-premise consumption, but it's, it, that really changes which products are selling strongly. Furniture is up. You know, we work with a lot of furniture distributors and they sell on e-commerce to e-commerce, uh, large e-commerce players, big jump. Uh, in sales, you know, uh, auto repair parts. Now that people are looking at deferral of OEM uh, purchases of automotive uh, of cars and, and, and automobiles or even heavy trucks, they're looking at service parts and there's been peaks in certain um, uh, repair part categories. How do you manage that demand? Uh, you know, they've, they've gotten a handle on it. We use a lot of machine learning uh, techniques to improve your forecast and respond to this uh, to do some demand sensing so that you can get a better replenishment and really manage, uh, you know, not over investing in inventory and tying up a lot of working capital. But now customers are looking at pricing and going, wow, you know, this, there is, it is very clear uh, the relationship uh, on certain channels to customer willingness to pay and a better price. And so I think that move to e-commerce sales, the volatility of costs, is driving uh, recognition of better pricing and uh, the need for that to really control your margins and, uh, and try to claw back some of the profits that are getting tied up with 
you know, we've had some customers, uh, PE back customers that they're going to throw inventory at it to make sure there's availability. You can't make money if it's stocked out, but now they're starting to see, wow, if it's better price, now you can actually claw back some of these profits. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of great factors there, and I think you know, we we certainly saw some of that in in the the study that that we did. And I mean, you can't also you know in this COVID environment, you know, certainly I think that's become another catalyst for just about every type of digital transformation that's taking place out there for a lot of companies. Like I, I mentioned earlier, um, you know, things are changing very quickly. Yeah, you know, you've got these you know big shifts in demand that are happening. In some cases huge surges in demand, in other cases, huge de- declines in demand, depending on the industry and so forth. And as they're looking to how to you know, navigate through this quote unquote new normal, you know, they're recognizing, a lot of companies are recognizing that you know, this is one area that um, you know, they're leaving opportunities on the table because they don't have you know, the right technologies in place or you know, a scalable uh, uh, way to do this you know, uh, you know, mm. effectively. Um, and certainly, and a lot of, and a lot of companies don't even have the right organizational structure, you know, to 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 do this. Which yeah. in some cases is really the kind of the prerequisite. You know, you first have to, you know, have the right talent and the right people and the right approach and the processes in place, and then leverage the technology on 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 top of that. Um, well, Clifford, we're running a little bit short on time here, so I'm just going to go right to my last question. You know, as a way to wrap up, then what questions should companies ask themselves to to assess whether they're a leader? or a lagger when it comes to price optimization and, you know, what capabilities are most important? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, You know, you probably heard it before. uh, Do you use cost plus? And, you know, you might use very complex terms around matrices, pricing, uh, matrix pricing. But in the end, if it's Excel uh, or Microsoft uh, Excel or even Microsoft Access, but you're just looking at cost plus, you're probably leaving money on the table. And probably is my code word for you are definitely leaving money on the table. Uh, and, and what it really means is you're probably un, underpriced on some items, which is the long hanging fruit, right? That's where, you know, looking at the long tail of the assortment, how can you raise prices on some items up to uh, willingness to pay to start getting more profits? But you're probably overpriced on some items. You're probably getting some signals from the market that you're overpriced, uh, uh, where there's a competitive substitute. And I'm not saying you would drop price on those items. Uh, That's a different conversation. You have to think long and hard about it, but you don't wanna raise prices. If you're doing a general price increase, don't raise prices on something that's overpriced. So that's kind of the fundamental question you should ask. Uh, The the other question is, you know, hey, uh, I get it. You know, measuring willingness to pay gets you away, but still manages margins. What type of pricing are you doing? Uh, is it list pricing? Are you publishing a list price? You know, there are certain things you should do to establish better, you know, uh, uh, insert some science into your setting prices. You know, maybe it's a general price increase. Maybe it's uh, publishing a, a, an annual price list. Maybe it's more frequent than that. Versus if you have, uh, and, and I would suggest you typically start there, you know, get a better starting price. Because even if you're doing the second type of pricing, this uh, negotiated B2B price, you know, it starts with a better list price, whether anyone ever sees that price or not. And then start looking at your rebates, start looking at your discounts. Are you managing them well? It's something I would ask. Uh, do you discriminate or differentiate prices between customers? And ask yourself, 
uh, are, is this customer getting the right uh, price? Are you discounting too much to win their business? Are your sales teams, you know, uh, rogue sales, just doing what they can to close deals? Hey, getting demand and closing deals is important, but putting some science to it to guide them, to enable and give them tools to show, hey, maybe you don't need to discount for this customer. Maybe they're not giving you the same volume of business. Maybe they're less price sensitive. There's things you can do to really enable your sales team. And then finally, you know, as you get to the more sophisticated levels of pricing, how do you tie it with supply chain planning? How do you do better product introductions? How do you look at uh, SKU rationalization and use pricing to do end of life pricing and rationalize that, uh, that SKU uh, assortment? And then finally, you know, how can you actually get to shaping demand? How can you tie it to pulling supply chain planning into your pricing uh, decision-making, you know, locking prices so you don't drop prices on underpriced, uh, on under inventoried items and then more importantly, how do you start shaping demand? So, um, you know, that's sort of painting a picture of a maturity curve. And, you know, I would talk to anybody about starting to think about where you are in that maturity curve. You know, a lot, a lot of great questions there and certainly a great, uh, you know, great starting point. You know, as you mentioned earlier, we could probably talk for, you know, two, three hours, <laughs> you know, about, about this topic. And it's certainly a topic that I, I, for sure we're going to be discussing more, you know, in the weeks and months ahead, because I, th- I really truly believe that, this is an area that more and more companies are going to be looking at and, and want to learn more about. Uh, but I think you provided some great, uh, you know, insights and advice to, to get the conversation started today. So Cliff, again, thank you very much for making the time to be with us today. Thank you so much, Adrian. I appreciate it. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, either at the uh, Blue Ridge uh, website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Cliff, you can post it there and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.